two female skeletons dated to around the 10th century, one found in North Elmham, Norfolk, and one in Fairford, Gloucestershire, have been deemed African by archaeologists after analysis was conducted on their skulls. Much of the speculation about these women has not afforded them agency or their own stories. They have been othered and dehumanised in the interpretations of how they came to be in medieval England. A racist belief that black women do not belong in early medieval England has pervaded some interpretations of who these women were and how they fit into the society around them. The purpose of this newsletter is to critically examine the existing interpretations and then to refocus on what kind of lives these two women might have led. So what evidence do we have about the North Elman woman? Please note that the following section contains racist quotations from a 1980 archaeological report. In 1967-72, to 72, an archaeological excavation was conducted on a cemetery in the village of North Elmham, Norfolk. One of the human burials investigated, of a person aged 35-45, to 45, was deemed to belong to a woman from Africa based on an analysis of her skull. The archaeological report was published in 1980, and the use of language by its authors, Wells and Caton, is extremely racist. They state that she is black, although a different, offensive and dehumanising term is used, and they make comments that present her as an outsider. They call her, quote, a cuckoo in an Anglo-Saxon nest, end quote, creating the image of her as a parasitic intruder. Her very presence in the cemetery is repeatedly called a problem. She is heavily sexualised and exoticised by the authors, as they contrast her exoticism with the homespun community in which she was found. They speculate that, quote, perhaps she was a full-time branded slave girl, perhaps she was a waif bought by a local magnate who hoped that the charms of this little black pearl would give him status as a collector of living Fabergé jewels by titillating the curiosity of his neighbours. Or maybe she was the fancy of a merchant bringing home a souvenir from Cordoba for his wife, end quote. In these interpretations of this woman's life, she is merely a fanciful object, the victim of someone's whims with no story of her own. She is racialized and objectified and assumed to be a slave or a victim. It's important to note that apart from her small stature compared to the other women in the cemetery, she was four for eight, there is nothing in the archaeological report that indicates her burial was any different from anyone else's. So what evidence do we have about the Fairford woman? In 2013, two children found a human skull from 10th century in the River Colne in Fairford, likely a regular early medieval burial accidentally disturbed by the changing course of the river. The rest of her remains, apart from the small bones of the hands and feet, were uncovered and a forensic anthropologist concluded that the skeleton belonged to a woman aged 18 to 24 from sub-Saharan Africa. There is no archaeological report available on her remains, but there are a handful of news reports available online. In an interview, local historian Richard Martin tells the IB Times that, quote, Slavery was quite common back then, along with bonded servitude. It will be interesting to know which barons were living in the area at the time who might have employed her or owned her. If she was a sub-Saharan African, then she was almost certainly a bonded servant, as it's highly unlikely she came here only to travel. 
At the time, people believed that bodies needed to be treated reverently to achieve an afterlife. If her remains were thrown in the water, it's unlikely she had any status. End quote. So, like with the North Elman woman, interpretations of the Fairford woman's life have regarded her as potential property, even though nothing about her burial indicates that would be the case. It's been assumed that both women were low status or slaves, with the only evidence being used to support that interpretation being that they appear to be black women. With very little published material on either of these women, these racist interpretations have undue influence on how their place in history and their lives are understood. So what does the evidence really show? Firstly, it's important to remain critical of the methods used to determine the African origins of these two women. In both cases, it appears that cranial measurement, the shape of their skulls, was used to determine their African origin. This is a highly interpretive and problematic method of analysis, though it is still widely practised in archaeology in lieu of more involved forensic methods, such as isotopic or DNA analysis. Without this more accurate and indicative analysis on the remains of either women, and with a clear lack of clear written evidence about how conclusions were reached, it's difficult to conclusively say whether they are indeed from Africa. Cranial analysis on the so-called Black Viking, skeleton 3379, found at the St. Bennet's Churchyard site in York, concluded that he was African, prompting interpretations by the Jorvik Centre that he was a foreign Arab merchant, with a display of such a man being constructed in the museum. However, isotopic analysis on his bones demonstrated that he was entirely local. Now, it's important to stress that the fact that this man did not grow up in Africa does not mean that he was not a black person. It simply means that if the cranial interpretations are correct, and he was indeed black, he was a black man from York. Like the North Elman woman, this man had a burial typical of others in the same cemetery with a similar coffin. Nothing about the burials of any of these people sets them apart, and yet the interpretations have consistently been of a foreign othered existence purely because they appear to be black people. Isotopic and DNA analysis has not been conducted on the North Elman woman or the Fairford woman. However, it would be a mistake to conclude these women were necessarily immigrants, slaves, of low status, or somehow disconnected from the communities in which they were buried, based purely on modern racist presumptions. The simplest solution seems to be that some members of the communities in these areas just happened to be black. So how diverse was early medieval England? Well, there is some evidence to indicate that there may have been 9th century raids by Vikings on the coast of North Africa, with slaves being taken from this area. But Vikings raided in many places and traded in slaves from many regions. There is no reason to associate the Viking slave trade with black people specifically. If Vikings did bring slaves from North Africa to Britain in the 9th century, it's possible their descendants would also have mixed into the population of medieval England. However, this evidence does not conclusively point to our two 10th century women being slaves or descendants of slaves. If we recognise the possibility that early medieval England was a diverse and internationally connected society, there are a whole range of other possibilities. There is evidence to suggest that in the Roman period, 11-12% to 12 of burials in York are people of African descent based on cranial analysis while nearly half of all Roman British sites that have undergone isotopic analysis have revealed at least one person who grew up in Africa. 
These people did not simply vanish when the medieval period began, and we should expect that they had many descendants who made up a large portion of the population in early medieval England. We also know of particular notable examples of Africans in Britain, such as the influential 7th century scholar and teacher St Adrian of Canterbury. If there were indeed such established trade routes in existence in the 10th century between Britain and Africa that would have supported a slave trade, it shows rather a lack of imagination to conclude that these women must have been the slaves or descendants of slaves. They may well have been migrants or merchants or the descendants of migrants or merchants. So how do we find the real stories of the North Elmham and Fairford women? Accepting that early medieval England was probably a diverse and connected society can stop us from falling into the racist trap that Wells and Caton fell into when they wrote the archaeological report on the North Elman woman, treating her as a problem. Early medieval England was the location of many waves of immigration from Central Europe, Scandinavia and beyond. We do not go to pains to solve the problem of how skeletons that seem to be typical of white Europeans came to be where they are, even though in some instances the answer may be fascinating. We just accept that they were part of their community. In order to find the North Elman woman or the Fairford woman's true place in history, we must reassess the false preconceptions we might hold about the inherent whiteness of early medieval England. These two black women probably had networks of friends and family members in their communities. They knew the landscape, they worked hard at their daily chores like preparing food, and they held and practiced religious beliefs alongside other members of their community. They were likely wives and possibly mothers. They were simply people with no idea that one day they would be treated like a problem to be solved. 